Did you get your election results, by the way? Oh, yeah, mine were, like, one of the first, yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can get pictures of the actual ballots, but our regional ballot was giant. Is that the one with all the, the crazy parties on it? Yeah, well, yeah, as well. like, the top, when you walk in and they had, like, the example, the specimen ballots on the wall, so you could see them, um... Mm. I was standing waiting and I was just looking through them like the, because they're in alphabetical order the top one is this like I think it's what is it abolish the Scottish par- government party yeah there was that and it was like Their tagline save, was like save 120 mil- million a yeah. year and it was like okay and then what like yeah. <laughs> that was the bit that's that was the, missing that's the, the the best thing to do with that sort of thing is be like okay sure and then and then that's the cool what's the idea kind of falls apart what's step two of your plan Great, we abolished the Scottish government. That's cool. it. Done. Yeah. Okay, we're done. Here's a, here. Everyone gets a hundred million, right? That's how it works. Oh yeah, you split the hundred million between the <laughs> the, the hundred and twenty million between the six million of us that are here. Exactly. And that's it's... not a lot of money. No. But... Excellent. What's the population of Scotland right now? Six point two, I think, was the last time I checked. Five point four five. Okay, never mind. My bad. How much? So that's call it five point five. So that's. Everybody gets 22 quid. Sweet! That's like... Spend in this pandemic. Like a burger in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And also we're now ungoverned. So that, like... actually, I would have I would have taken as a way more uh, ballsy and acceptable tagline of abolish the Scottish Government Party and we'll give you 22 quid. <laughs> That's the whole policy. Like, after That's that... That's the whole policy is we want to abolish the Scottish Government and then give all the money evenly distributed and give everybody 22 quid. It's the 11th of May 2021 in this Game Engine Start podcast. My name is Ewan. My name is Callum. And are you prepared for a very one-sided show because I've played a bunch of stuff and Callum's played jack shit? Yay! I've got, I've got some stuff I can oh, talk do you? about. Okay. Yeah, no, nothing, well, nothing like nothing new, new, quote unquote. But... Um, well, actually, yeah, because I assume the one thing, we're just going in because we're running a short show. Uh, I assume yeah. you're talking about the Apex season I mean, I kind of want to talk about the fact that I've been playing Dragon Age Origins as well. Oh yeah, that's... of course. I forgot about that text you sent me yesterday that was like, "Hey, my game keeps yeah, crashing." It's yeah, it's really weird. I like I got in the, because there's no video games coming out. Mm. I don't have a PS5, so I can't play like Returnal or anything like yeah. that. I decided now was a good time to start my series playthrough of Dragon Age because at some point, fairly soon, quote unquote, maybe in a year, um, <laughs> ish ish maybe who knows with that developer that there's going to be a game called dragon age 4 so i want to have a save file ready like right. i want to have my my dragon age playthrough save file ready to go so I've been that, going through did that series do the mass effect thing of like you can take a yeah. save file throughout okay mm-hmm. cool because you make like really big choices and like origins sure. carries through to two which carries through to any position sure um and yeah so i started I just started playing through Dragon, and I've I had like a few days off because it was my birthday last Thursday. It was, um, so I had some time off work. So I was just like, I'm just going to sit and tank through all of Dragon Age Origins again. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't hit the end of Dragon Age Origins yet. I'm fairly close, but I've not hit the end of it yet. But yeah, 
Um, that game, that game's still really good. It's 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 definitely like a classic. Like it's old at this point. Like it's very old at this point. Was that game um, always called Dragon Age Origins, or did they add that on when the second one came? No, out? it was always it was always called Dragon Age Origins. Okay, so it was right. the whole the whole point was that you make an origin for your character and it has like a unique uh, backstory and stuff like you. that, or okay. unique quote yep. unquote. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely very old because it came out in like fucking what 2009 or something like that yeah let me check uh yeah so it it, it definitely wears its age on its sleeve because it doesn't look great um and oh what's 2009 nice okay yeah, um yeah so it doesn't look great and it's a bit clunky like the movement's a bit stiff and all that stuff but i'm like oh i was like i was saying to you and yesterday i i the first bug that i encountered is I I got into the main city, which is called Denerim, and um, saved my game, went away, did something else, came back to load my game, and it just crashed on load like every single time. Right. I was like, oh no, is this like corrupt? Is this corrupted by save file or like? Because I was like, at this point, I was like twenty something hours in. Is this? And just to be clear, like, is this is like the Steam version, right? This is not like yeah. some like CD no, version you have version. somewhere. Like, nope. okay, I bought I bought them all again on Steam because they were all. All three of them were on sale for super cheap, and it was like the ultimate edition, so it was like all the DLCs. Included, oh, nice! And I didn't okay. actually play all the DLCs for some of them, so gotcha. this is the opportunity to kind of go through it all. Um, yeah, so it, it just it just crashed on load. It would go to the loading screen, the thing would go for a bit, and then the game would crash. So I had to look it up and like saw a whole bunch of like errors of like, oh, maybe it's this driver, maybe it's this thing, maybe this, and then there was like, yeah, the game doesn't handle like a lot of C- powerful CPU cores all at once, so you have to go in and maybe set the affinity down so that it only reads off of two cores as opposed to four cores. 2009 is like... N- not a horrendous no, I, I amount know, of time ago. That's I know weird. That, but this is what people were saying on okay. the Steam forums. I tried everything and it wasn't working. And then I saw... I was looking through Steam forums, I saw a post from someone that was like, yeah, I had this weird bug in Denerim where, because I was like playing this on my like super powerful computer... I had everything at max and it just failed to load on Denerim. So I just turned all the graphics down and it worked. And huh. I then had like a like heist movie style flashback to me probably looking at that exact same post the last time I tried to play <laughs> Dragon Age Origins. Okay, sure. And going like, oh, I remember this bug. Like this was a thing that I remember looking at before. So I went in and turned the graphics all down to medium and it loaded instantly. And it was like, this is, I don't know how that bug happens, but it's a very, very old game. Um, so I'm assuming it's something to do with that, but yeah, so I got it working and it's fine now. But sure. um, yeah, that game, but the it does a really good job of like world building and yeah. like because but obviously because it's the first ones they have to introduce every single idea all at once, and it is a very like classical Bioware story of like you have these things, you have to go to these different places to do this thing and then it'll all tie up at the end but it is very much a turn up at a place and be like, you tell me about the dwarfs and yeah, that exactly. sort of thing. Like, um, how, do, how does it feel going it, back to something like that after more recent games that have changed how that kind of storytelling happens? Like stuff like Tyranny where it's like... So yeah, I, I, you, I can definitely tell... I, I definitely know it's a Bioware game because sure. that was their framework for telling a story for so long. Of like, of course, yeah. I guess the, since like Kotar, like Kotar was the one that was like go to all these planets and find the star maps. This is the same sort of thing, except you're going to like deliver 
Grey Warden uh, Allegiance missives. Right. But, um, so it's the same sort of idea. Yeah, obviously it's like kind of the most brute force way of telling that story. Yeah. Of just like go to these different places and get people to tell you about stuff. Um, yeah. I'm glad it's developed since then. Like I'm glad it's like they're better about... But it still uh, seems to hold up. It, hold, it holds up in terms of like the gameplay is still super solid. Like it's still really fun tactically. Um, infinitely breakable. Like so super breakable in, in the ways that only those old school RPGs are. Right. And that they don't really care that you can break the game so they just let you. And like there's, this also ties into like one of the weirdest things that I have about the game. But the game has a lot of fancy video game term of ludonarrative dissonance in right. it. Right, yes. Um, not only because it's like... The, so the story is like you're going to these different places to get people to fight in the Blight. You're still an inhabitant of that world. And you're... And my character anyway was a mage, so he lived in like the, the Circle of Mages Tower for his whole life, or nearly his whole life. But you still learn about the world. So this character going up to people and being like, tell me about the dwarves, tell me about elves, what the hell's going on in Denerim? Yeah. Doesn't really make sense because no. you're still inhabitant of that world. It's not like or, I mean, uh, Planescape or like Disco Elysium where you're an amnesiac or in like that. Yeah, like get amnesia, so- stuff. It, amnesia it, solves a lot of those problems, but it's a well, bit yeah, cliche at yeah. this point. But yes. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make sense for that character to be walking up and learning about the world. Like you go in and like, do your intro story and then go out and come back to the Circle of Ages and they're still telling you about the Circle of Ages and you're like, my character should know this. He lived yeah, there for exactly. like 20 years or whatever. But anyway, uh, and then if you're a mage and you have access to the specializations, one of the specializations is blood magic, which is like, it sounds like you use your blood to do a whole bunch of scary magic. And they spend a lot of the game telling you about how blood magic is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it, like gets in contact with the fade super easily so you get corrupted by demons it's really powerful people that end up dying it has really un like unforeseen circumstances a lot of the bad guys that you end up fighting over the course of the story also happen to be associated with or are themselves blood mages Uh, ah okay you and it's like a huge point in all the dragon age games like all the dragon age games get tied together by the fact that oh shit blood mages are really scary but one of the specializations for the mage class is blood mages. So you can become a blood mage and their spells are like super powerful. They're really, really good. And nobody bats an eyelid and nobody even brings up the fact that you're using blood magic, even though it's like one of the most dangerous things in Thedas. Of course. Like, zero people talk about it, which is... <laughs> um, so yeah, like you're you're doing all the stuff, like you're like cutting your hand in the middle of combat and like manipulating people's blood and stuff like that. Nobody says anything. And like... I've got, in my party, my main, like, tanky person is a Templar, who are people specifically trained to hunt renegade mages and blood mages, and Wynne, who was, like, senior enchanter of the Circle of Mages, who is, like, super familiar with blood magic and knows how dangerous it is, (laughs) and I literally stand beside her casting blood magic and she doesn't do anything about it. Right. It's, It's... Yeah, so it's weird. It's obviously, like, they're not the story's very, very good, and the gameplay is very, very good. Connecting those two is obviously like some sort of. Ha- yeah. I'm not going to say it wasn't thought about because that isn't what no. I like to think about and that sort of thing. It's obviously thought about, but it is like really hard to. Because then you're like, 
oh, you can, yeah, sure, you can pick blood magic, but then basically you're playing through the whole game by yourself if you want to tie it into the story. Yeah, but, like, the, the thing we talked about last week with, or last time with, um, and I've talked about before with Disco Elysium, right? Like, I say, the more flexibility you had, like, it's exponentially more difficult to handle all of the edge cases of, like, yeah, of course. you need to handle this and this with combination with this power and this power. So, like, yeah, if you can throw on top of that, like, an entire battle system, like, yes, it's yeah. going to get... And, and obviously you want to have, up. like... You want to have, like, diversity in your character and, like, you want to be able to let the player build exactly. what it builds. So if they want to be a blood mage, you should let them be a blood mage without them, the whole of society turning on them. It's just really exactly. weird that the 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 Grey Wardian, like, the champion of Ferelden, the person that's going to go and stop the Blight, is also a blood mage. They do kind of a decent job in the, the peripheral stories of being, like, blood mage isn't necessarily evil, it's just... The Chantry do a lot to kind of like suppress it and like make it seem scarier than it is. Right. It's more that it's more that the people that have been practicing blood magic get persecuted a lot, and so it drives them to extreme circumstances as opposed to it inherently being evil. Right. Like you have a conversation with um a really old Grey Warden mage in one in one of the DLC packs that you learn going through this like old grey warden fortress that they basically had to summon a bunch of demons to stop the grey wardens dying out effectively so used a lot of blood magic and you find him at the end and talk to him about his experiments with demons and blood magic and stuff like that and he's like i was given the order by my superior officer we were in desperate situations and it was literally our last option so we just had to do it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's not the thing isn't necessarily evil on its own. It's just either been you've been you've been held to a negative standard by sure the the all powerful religion of the world, or you've been hunted to the point where you've been driven to extreme circumstances, and then people are using it as a a, a selling point to be like, ah, look, see that person summoned a bunch of demons and then killed themselves. Like that was crazy, but it wasn't like. That wasn't what they were trying to do. By yeah, exactly. Magic. That wasn't yeah. the that wasn't the goal. So it's, yeah. it's it's there's a lot of really there are a lot of really interesting and cool world building and story things within there, but it is still just like you get to the end of it and like I'm going to save the world through blood magic. <laughs> you're not going to stop me, and nobody's going to say anything about it. But yeah, that's yeah. It's it's still it's a really really good game, and there's so much like good writing and world building and and the the, pl- the, pl- the plan is to move on to two. And yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm almost done with Origins. I'm then gonna do Awakening, which is the Origins expansion, because it's Dragon Age has done the thing where they release the game and they release the DLCs and the expansions, and usually the last one that they release is the tie-in to the next game. Of course. So for this one, it was Awakening. So Awakening is gonna tie into two, and then do two, and the DLCs for that, and then the last one of that I think is Trespasser. I think is what it's called, and Trespasser ties into the story in Inquisition, and then Inquisition happens, and you do all the DLC for that, and then the last DLC for Inquisition, that I can't remember the name of, ties into 4, because that's right. the expansion where you do all the Solus stuff. Like, gotcha. that's the... That's Solus's big expansion. Was it just um, me, or did... The, the bits of... Maybe it's just the bits of Twitter I've seen, because I've never really played these games... Did two have people come around on two? Because I remember two getting savaged at the time for like it was the yeah, same so four the, dungeons and like. The, so yeah, the discourse around two now 
I think, because it's kind of the opinion that I've done it, is that the game's not great as a game mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's like you reuse a lot of assets and, like, I'll talk about it more when I play it, but it's yeah, yeah. like, you, you reuse a lot of assets and you go to the same places and a lot of the quests are, like, nondescript fetch quest sort of thing where it's yeah. like, the person says, go get me this thing and you go get it and they hand it and they're like, thank you, you found the thing for me and that's it. Um, but it does have really good writing and really good characters in it. Like the story, the main story in two is one of my, like one of the most interesting RPG stories. Like I really, really like this, the main story in two because it is super fascinating, but, um, cause it's about like, it expands on that, um, the relationship between mages and Templars, the people are supposed to like train to like, keep them in check and like hunt them if they become apostate and stuff like that and it deals with those two parties kind of fighting each other and like coming to a head of like what happens when you have this like group that have been basically like under authoritarian rule for years and years and years for a quote unquote their own safety finally realizing that actually the templars are kind of shit right and are just that are just there kind of holding them back and then the templars are really like yeah but we kind of have to otherwise they go crazy and take over the world. Um, that makes sense because they have that because they have like historical reason to do that because Thedas got invaded by this Tevinter Imperium that's all like super powerful. It's a mageocracy. Like everybody's like super powerful mages and like so they obviously fear magic. So they have to like set up this thing. So it's a really really interesting story at the core of Dragon Age Two. It's just playing it is a problem. That's yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that would be the that's, that's the issue. Um, cool. And then, so like, yeah, so the Apex season started and I, mm. that game was basically hosed for like 24 hours, almost. Yeah, the game, you couldn't play the game for the first day. Um, yeah. So I, on the day the patch came out, I got, it was about midnight, I got into four arena matches, which is the 3v3 thing, except mm. that I couldn't pick any of the non-base characters. Yeah, that's, so the people, the... The game server was screwed to where people probably couldn't log in, and if you could log in, it would be hard to get into a game, and then if you could get into a game, it wouldn't have any of your account details, you would only have the base legends. It's interesting, right? Because they've obviously built that game with this in mind, because when I did get to log in, finally, like, the store tab, the um, season tab, like, the legends tab, all those tabs were, like, greyed out. Like, it wasn't a case of, like, you click Hmm. on it and go, ah, something went wrong. Like, they've been disabled. they just... Yeah, they just so like the their the account thing was just screwed because if you looked in the the top right as well, it was just like scanning to see how much currency you had, and it couldn't yeah, read it because yeah. it just couldn't so, get your but like, details. But like the idea that they have that as part of the system of like, yeah, yeah. if you can't hit this, like it just grays it out. Like that's I don't know, I wouldn't have expected that. Um, and then when I actually got in the game and played, like I wasn't getting XP and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, I just wanted to see what the three v three thing was. Um, see how it was structured and see how it was. Um, yeah, that thing seems kind of like what people say somewhere between yep. CSGO and Valorant is, right? It's pretty much. It's a 3v3 on a special map with a bye phase at the start and it's best of... It's not. Sometimes it's not even a special map. Sometimes it's just an area of a map that already yeah. exists. Uh, and then it's best of, or first to three, anyway, um, wins. I liked it. Like, I got savaged 
like absolutely savaged by the people I was playing with. But I, I mm. but the reason like I'm never gonna be good at arena because I've never been good at that kind of small scale mm. like stuff. But yeah. it did give me the chance to shoot guns more often than I do in that game to actually learn how the guns really work. Because mm. you actually you're because you're iterating more quickly on like I have a gun in my hand and there's a target I can yeah, shoot it's, it. It's what people were saying at the time where it was like other than the the training field that you can get, it's an opportunity to like practice your gun play against yep. live opponents without the whole like drop find gun you, sort of you, thing. Yeah, because like, like you, you can do the gun you want. Because you and also you can do like. 20 25 minute runs in uh in standard apex and you're like you cannot fire a shot right mm. you can you can do the whole you can get prepped you can run the whole time and then just get sniped from across the map and be done right like that you can there are large amounts yeah, of time yeah, you can yeah. spend without firing a gun so yeah it does have that but yeah like people are people are dangerous on that thing holy shit um, yeah the 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 3v3 mode kind of um exasperated the problem not problem but like the they they got to a solved meta very very quickly. Oh um, really? Okay. Which which has kind of expanded out into regular Apex as well because that's just how the meta is. Because like so in three v three modes because it's the same in like Destiny with like mm-hmm. trials and stuff like that. Very very good players will play very very specific types of gun pairings. Sure. And it's usually like a sniper rifle and a mid range gun. Yep. Which. Um, or like a short to mid range gun. So in Destiny, that was people with sniper rifles and hand cannons. That's kind of the sure, yep, sweaty PvP trials player meta. I remember but getting kind of annihilated by that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, because that expands out into normal PvP when you get people who are just playing normal PvP yep. doing sniper hand cannon. You're like, what the fuck? Like, chill out. And yeah. It's, um. So yeah, very very quickly in three v three because I played the three v three as well, and yeah, it's it's interesting, but it's kind of not really what I wanted out of Apex. I kind of like the bigger stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it very very quickly got to the very very good players getting into the three v three mode and honing down the meta to the point where they discovered what the meta was, which is now called uh, season nine is the the bowkeeper meta, which is right. You use the bow and you use the peacekeeper, which is kind of <laughs> nuts because like the the, the, so the, yeah, the new things that they brought into this season where they brought out a bow, they brought out the the marksman class of weapon, yeah. which the bow is now under, which are which like, like weird mid-range accuracy guns. Yeah, not sniper um, rifles, but like yeah. G9 and stuff like that. One step from a sniper there. rifle, but up from every other tiny gun. Yeah. Um, uh, they brought the Peacekeeper out of um, dropship loot to ground loot, yeah. and then put the triple take into dropship. Yeah. Which... At the time when I was talking to people, said that's a mistake. The peacekeeper is too good. Peacekeeper is too good. Like, yeah, it always has been, and like when even way 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 back, way way back in like season one and beta and stuff like that, the peacekeeper was too good. So they nerfed it like three times, and it was still good. So they put it in the dropship, which made sense because it's a super powerful gun, so you shouldn't have it all the time. They then took it out of the drop pods, put it on ground loot nerfed it a little bit more, like a tiny little bit more, and it's still way too good. Like, is... You shouldn't have a shotgun that can be rifle accurate. Like, yeah. it doesn't work that... That's not how that should work. But anyway. Um, so yeah, people discover that the meta this season is just the bow, because the bow is really good. Like, I haven't had super, a chance to actually good. get into it yet. Yeah. It's, it's got... Like, 
bigger than average range, like bigger than you would think range on the arrows. Mm-hmm. It two taps people. Um, oh, interesting. If you're if you're accurate enough, it kills people in two hits. It's silent, so if you the silence is someone, a problem. Yeah, so if you hit someone with it or you get hit by it, you don't know where you've been hit from, and more likely than you're going to get two tapped because the person's already drawn the other arrow. Exactly. Especially when you get the hop up that's called Dead Eye Temple, uh, Hunter's if, Temple, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, something like I think it's Dead Eye Temple. But if it's like if you draw and release an arrow at the right time your next draw is faster yep. and that stacks twice so if you Jesus. find someone get the bow out headshot them with the first arrow at the right time you then draw your second arrow faster and before they even can clock where you are you've probably already taken them out yeah and that happens more often than not yeah which like because the, the, the sniper game in apex is one of my favorites in like multiplayer shooters because yes they're super powerful but the trail is the point like the the, the trail noise is and the tracer the noise and the tracer right. round is the way that you get around that right because yes you're going to get smacked with a lot of damage out of nowhere but you know immediately where it came from and yeah. you can readjust right um so the idea so that the, there's like the, a silent one of them is just yeah it's obviously it's obviously worse by the fact that it is a slower fire rate but then I kind of gets around that. The only, I think the only thing that they really need to add is like make the arrows like whistle or something. Like give them the noise yep. that you get from an arrow. Yeah. Um. Because because it is literally just like the only thing you hear is like a thunk when it hits you, and then you notice all your shields and some of your health so, are gone, and you're like, wait, what? And then you're dead. <laughs> so you obviously don't get the tracer, but do you get the the damage reticle? Like the like. Oh, here's you know you've been hit. Yeah, yeah. No, but do you know where it's? Do you know where the damage has come from? No, you don't. Oh, so you don't even get well, that. No. Well, you get you get a direction, but like yes. the 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 point of the tracer round would if so if you got hit with a sniper rifle and you said it's over to my right and you look to the right, you can still see yeah, so you, a trace you, of where it came from. You get the damage direction, you just don't. Yeah, you get the damage direction. You can look to the right and be like, I don't know where the hell they are. Like right. that's I can't see anything, and then okay. you're dead because they've shot you already with another arrow. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I saw some. And yeah, then you get. So you've got your, like, super powerful range gun, and then the second they get closer to you, you've got a Peacekeeper, which is a gun that's too good anyway. So it's really, really hard to counter... Not counter, but, like, fight against someone like that, because it is... They've got you at every range, and they're probably just going to outdistance you. Um, There are things you can do where you can, like, throw grenades at them or smoke them out or whatever, but if if they're, like, tracing on you, like, holding on you with a ball... And they know where you are, and you're trying to like duck out of cover to throw a grenade or something like that. They can headshot you with the bow at the same time you can pick out and throw a grenade, which is like 126 damage or something like that. Yeah. So it takes away all of your shields and some of your health. So your the trade is not good. Like you throwing one grenade for all of your shields isn't worth it. So it is this really hard proposition to try to get to that person. Sure. Um. So what you end up doing most of the time is like bow v bow battles, which are really weird because it's not the easiest gun in the world to use because it's an arrow, right? So you of course. Can, like, trace your targets. So it's people like doing the normal apex thing of like strafing and ducking and jumping in the air, but also trying to fire a bow at the same yeah, time. It looks so really silly. Like, yeah, arrows are like flying in every direction, like planting in all the walls and stuff like that. Um, it is really weird, but yeah, there is. Um, there's some definite improvements that need to be made to for sure the gun balance. Um, yeah, I need sure. to I need to put some time into the new season. I just haven't had a chance. Um, also, also, um, 
I don't know if you've had a chance to play Valkyrie yet. Um, no, I, I need to... I've seen some fucking wild videos. She can, she's really fun. She can do some pretty crazy stuff. Um, so she's Viper from Titanfall 2's daughter who has taken parts of a Titan and like made a VTOL flight suit out of it. Yeah. Um, so she has a jetpack that she can activate by hold and jump, which lets her like hover in the air for a bit. Um, she has the ground target like dumb fire rockets that North Star had from Titanfall 2. Yeah. Um like, uh, the, kind of, like reminds me a lot of the Pharaoh ult from Overwatch. Farah, yeah. Farah, it's getting, sorry. yeah the Farah ult yeah it fires in like a I think it's like a four by ten column. Yeah. That you can like target in the air. Uh, and then her ult is she can do like a reposition so she like turns her jetpack on and pulls her whole team up into the sky. Yeah. And then they can fly across the map. Her her passive is one of her best things because it is like if she's in the air, she can highlight people and like scan and like see where everybody is. Um, oh, so is she under the same class as like Bloodhound? Yeah, she's a recon. So she oh, can, she can interesting. Use the, she can okay. use the um, towers and stuff as well. But she is a very aggressive recon. Like she yeah. is, she has because of her ability to like gain height, she can get angles on people really easily yeah and her her rockets actually do decent damage and cover a wide area so she has like really good info really good movement quite an aggressive skill yeah um like the videos i saw and a really unique ultimate where you can just like reposition wherever you want totally which nobody else gets to do like she's very good like it is yeah a couple of gameplay clips i saw was people just like like one-on-ones just her just jetpacking fucking all over the place. Yeah. Like, does it actually, like, is her jetpack usable or is it just like that's the oh, animation that plays yeah. when it jumps? No, so, so, so she has a jump and then if you hold the button down, it, like, it's not fast, so she, like, hovers, but she also yeah, yeah. gains height as she's going. Yeah. So it is, like, if you do it early enough, you basically get, like, a really long double jump, effectively. Yeah. It's not quite like the Titanfall 2 crazy fast Titan, like, pilot running or whatever, but she gets... She gets height and gets momentum, which is the main thing about Apex. You can reposition if, like, maybe you're in a bad fight, or mm. you can re- reposition like aggressively to like get again get an angle on something. Yeah, it was it was the it. it was the aggressive part of it that really got me. Where it was like, like, there's zero point with describing the video at all. But like, she was like, she managed to get to the point where she got she got clipped, could back out behind cover much more easily than a lot of the other characters could and yeah. then go over a building come in the back door again like incredibly smoothly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like so people- she's, she, she's got the ability to get over obstacles without clamber yes so she has she has speed getting over these obstacles so she can just like duck out of fights really easily and then reposition wherever she wants to yes because yeah she can just jump on roofs like really easily without having to climb or anything that she just goes up on the jetpack yeah exactly um she also then can just hit people she gets like her aim is impacted while she's hovering so she can't like hover in the air and like just like snipe people because but she can get she can do tricky things where like she can like hover over people that and then land behind them or whatever like it is she is like one of the more aggressive... She's definitely the, probably the most aggressive recon next to Bloodhound, yes. but she is... Been. She's very, very... She's a lot of fun. Yeah. I really enjoy playing I'm her. looking forward um, to getting some time into her, for sure. Yeah, she's good. 
Um, so yeah, if that's that for me, it was the two kind of big games the last two weeks I think that were um, that hit. So Returnal probably is the first one. So so yeah, Returnal uh, PS5 exclusive from Housemark or the Resogun and Super Stardust. That's them, right? Yep, next Machina. Yeah. And next Machina. Uh, Twin Stick Shooter team have made a third-person dark sci-fi roguelike shooter. Um, And it's weird. It's been a weird... It's it's been a weird story of that game as it's released as well, but, like, just the the thing itself. So... hmm. It's it's been interesting because it was, like... It was weird seeing that that studio get the backing it got for Returnal because it got like proper main stage Sony backing of like yeah. this is a big AAA title. So and, and it's a roguelike from these people that just make downloadable shmup games. Yeah, which is I mean if you if you look which at was the... strange at the time, but then when it came out, the discourse shifted to more. I so I I, I I've not heard a lot more of the discourse than other when people were talking about it for review, mm. but. When people were talking about it, it seems like it was popping off. Like people thought it was, yeah, really cool. But I don't know if that was because it was actually really good, or there's nothing to play on PS5, and this is a good PS5 game. So but. the the hey, there's nothing else to play on PS5, or there's no exclusives on PS5 right now, is interesting. A number of reasons, right? One is that this is the first game I've bought at six, 70 quid. Right? This game mm, is this mm. game is six to nine uh, No, sorry. Yes, fifty. It's six to nine ninety nine. Right? It is a seventy quid game. Is the first Very next gen game I've bought that's seventy quid, and like, it's interesting, right? If this was like a, like an Uncharted or a, some other big AAA like known studio, whatever, like yeah. you would, of course, that game is seventy quid. Of course, it is because yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a next gen thing. They meant to work to get that running at four K, like all of that kind of stuff. I can see, like those arguments have held up less over the years but i can i can see how you could arrive at that business decision right but for this it def it it does kind of feel like it feels too much it feels a bit much for what's there right now mm. and again so the other half of this is this game is super fucking hard right like it is yeah, yeah. absolutely brutal in the way it works and like We'll do a video on it, hopefully, if technical reasons work out, that will explain the mechanic stuff better, but, like, there's no... Like, it's a third-person shooter, right? That is... a third-person shooter with a pretty aggressive auto-aim. Like, that's the mechanic. Yeah. Um, With procedurally generated levels and a structure that appears to be, like, four acts, four bosses, that's it. Yeah. But there's a lot... But there, there, and there's there's stuff in there like the rooms themselves are are it's assembling rooms as opposed to like generating rooms. So it's like oh it's it's this room. So I know and it's got to the point ah, as okay. well so where the, like the, the procedural is not room based. It's, it's like a, maze based. It, so it's like yeah. putting the rooms together in different it's a, ways. Yes, it's assembling the rooms, and yeah. to the point where like oh I know this room because you go down these stairs and then activate this chest at the end of the thing and then these three bats will pop up from this position like it's that level of like I know how this room works which so you do start to learn the learn the rooms basically but and and, 
and the flow itself like the the, the map is, is actually really good in the game because it has it delineates between doors that are like side shit and doors that are this is the way to the main this is the way to the boss and the boss right. is like a yeah. the boss is highlighted like as an objective on the map you just don't know where how to get to it yet so you know mm-hmm. you're always going in the right direction if you want to um but yeah it's i guess that's i guess that's useful in a run if it's like you know that you just want to if you're good enough at this point, you just know you want to clear the boss. You don't have yeah. to do any of the same and based, or whatever. But. And based on how people... So I'm still on the first area, first act, whatever. Like, um, that boss is just continually kicking my ass. I haven't quite worked out. But it's at this point, it's definitely like an execution thing as opposed to like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it's just... I just can't execute you to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of mechanics, like a surprising amount of mechanics that are very simple to describe, but once you start layering them, all, laying, layering them on all on top of each other, you end up in yeah. really weird situations. And a lot of them are kind of like pro and con trade-off style stuff. So like... Um, this is, is this where you get your roguelike element of like stuff that you pick up in the world? That yeah, it's, yeah. So, yeah. And again, so like it's a very traditional roguelike where there's a, there's a currency that persists and everything else is gone. Like you don't carry over equipment, you don't carry over... Um, currency. There's, a, there's a currency that persists. Did yes. Uh, so there's uh, so there's a currency called ether, which is used for a number of things that carries over between runs. But right, okay. So there, so there is a there is a progression style thing there. It's not like a true roguelike where everything's fresh every run. Progression's weird, right? It's not really progression. It's like so ether is used for for a couple of specific purposes. Although this may change, like, again, I'm only in Act 1, but, like, yeah. the uses for Aether I've seen so far have been, um, there are a couple of specific area rooms that have, um, this is not really spoilers, because this is all kind of early mechanic stuff that you will just come across. So you go into yeah. a room, and it's like, there's like a cutout, like an alien cutout in the rock, right? Sure. And you go yeah. up to it, and it's like, this like and you st- everything the one thing i really like about the game is you you know absolutely nothing and your character has to physically go up and scan a thing to know what it is and then it yeah registers and you know what it is from then on so she goes up and scans the thing and is like it's very unclear as to like what it actually does like it's obviously like an alien supposed to go in here and it's got some energy and it's like it costs you five ether to activate and you pay five ether and you're like cool i don't know what the fuck this did until you die the first time and it's a respawn point so it doesn't reset. Ah, it's okay. a respawn point, and that costs you ether to activate, and also costs you a lot of ether to activate. Like I'm, and is that like is that like a um, constant thing, or is that like one respawn for that run? One respawn for that run. So right, you get okay. one chance. But you're to, spending this persistent currency. But you're spending it. this persistent currency to activate. Right. So you keep all your equipment. You respawn in that room, and it's easy enough to get to where you're going. But like, you get one respawn, and that's it. And it's expensive. Like, I don't know how the the ether economy changes as the game goes on, but like, you will get like maybe three ether per run. Like, so by the time you like explore every explore like ninety percent of the first area and get to the boss and then reset, you'll have got maybe three ether, maybe. Jeez, okay. And the ether co- that room costs five to activate. Huh. So. Like, you have to, like, you have to make that call, which is, like, I feel good enough when I can take a run at the boss, I should go tag that room so I can get two shots at it. Yeah. Um, But also, on your way between 
there and that room, you might get smoked. Between the room and the boss, you might get smoked again. And it's yeah. just like, yeah. So the other use for ether is it plays into this malignancy concept, which is going throughout the game, where every type of thing, every type of most of the types of items in the game, so like chests, um, pickups, even like the the batches of like resources in the world can be malignant. So they've got like this kind of purple haze to them. And basically what it is is like it says like low, medium, high chance of malignancy. And if you activate it, there's a chance that it will cause your suit to malfunction in specific ways. Um so like right, sure. you so you'll crack a chest and get the item, but it'll say uh your map is fucked, right? And your map will start glitching out. But you repair it by doing a specific thing. So sometimes it'll be like do 10 melee kills or pick up 100 currency or that kind of stuff to fix the malfunction. Right, yeah. So you do end up in these situations where like, I really need this fucking gun, but I can't, I, like, I have no idea what this malignancy is good. And some of them are relatively trivial and some of them are like run ending. Like you just can't get over them. It's yeah. kind of killer. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of killer. Um, but you can use ether to, to purge the malignancy. So if it's something like you really need and you have an excess of ether, you can spend five ether to like cure the malignancy off it. Um, right okay sure also i didn't i found this out far too late when i was just like having a fucking yolo run Um, if you get three malfunctions in your suit so you open three malignant things and they all hit and um, it's an immediate fail <laughs> you just die oh okay <laughs> so great. just the point just the tip for people who are out there you can't just stack malignancies um infinitely um and then there are there are parasites as well which is another thing which are just like fucking parasites they're live things that you strap to your arm which do things like hey you've got plus 15 percent melee damage but you hmm. um suit repair is halved or something like that like it's the again it's these things and some of them play into like fucking like magic the gathering style trigger effects where it's like oh really yeah where some of them are like so you can you can you can only have one parasite on you at a time and if you detach one, they die. So you have to, if you're mm. going to swap it, you have to die. You have to do it properly. But um, there are some that's like, um, you get, like, there's one, I think I saw one in a run that was like, you get to 50% more damage. I'm like, fucking sweet. Um, and then, but detaches after, after 10 rooms or something like that. And then the negative ah, okay. side of it is like, oh, and also when this detaches, it takes 75% of your health. You're like, wait, what? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Like, super aggressive. Like, and that detach would happen if you manually detached it as well. So you're just fucked at that point. You're like, I'm super powerful yeah. for these 10 rooms, but I'm going to die horribly at some point. Um, yeah. I know. Yeah. So and there's a lot of mechanic stuff as well that, that we can get into when we, when we show off, but it's the shooting is good. The shooting feels really, really good. It's very active. It's very aggressive. Um, the currency and stuff that the the creatures drop fades away relatively quickly. So you need to like you can't just hold back and like sweep them all. You yeah. need to go get that currency and get health and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it, it the 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 combat itself feels really good. It looks just it's incredible. The one, it, it's the one thing that I would hope that those guys do well. Right? Yeah, is and I mean, shooting, is it totally? But like. It's a different style. It's a very different style of game, right? Their games are very abstract. They're very kind but of. But is like... it though? Because from what I've seen in Returnal, a lot of the the actual combat is 
very chop dodge way oh, sorry, yeah. these sort of attacks. Yes, that... like the, the the creatures will fire like spherical balls of energy at you in like yeah, weird spiral functions. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So like that part of it is definitely still there, but there are creatures in there that are just like like Dark Souls bosses that are just like these giant fucking things that slightly advertise their attack and then leap across a room at you and stuff like that. Like they're not just oh sure that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, there's like a dryad style creature that um, that like throws stuff on the ground that creates a uh, an uh, area where you just like you're um, slowed down in that area, mm-hmm. including like reload speeds and stuff like that. And then oh, it just, you're just slow. Yeah, and then it just opens up with its head of like hundreds of thousands of these bolts just come out and aim at you, so you can't dodge as well. And like the co- yeah, so the combat itself is fun. It looks incredible. Like visually, that thing is stunning. It's they're definitely going for a style. Like it's not sure, super yeah. colorful, except for the creatures, which works for like combat um, recognition and stuff like that. But like that first area is a lot of like wet rock and plants. Like it's that that is the that is the aesthetic they're going for in that first area. It's, yeah, the 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 footage I've seen, which is largely of the first area, is like very spooky forest mixed with kind of like weird hr geiger architecture like it's all like spooky aliens and rocks and like all that stuff but (laughs) it is in a weird forest like there's a there's a a item structure thing that happens outside the first the first door where that is like it's a rock with eyes right and you're just like none Mm. of this makes any that you have to put your hand in and like none of this makes any fucking sense but oh my god it's 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 weird, weird, um, and then there's the story stuff, which is actually the reason I'm I'm really sticking at it. Like, I want to see what yeah. they do with this because naturally, there's a lot of mystery to this thing. So, like, it's so obviously I don't I, I don't know a lot, but the things you get very quickly are you are tracing this thing called the White Shadow, this signal called the White Shadow, um, you crash land on this planet, you wake you you wake up the first time you die start back on the crashed ship starting again but knowing you've started again so there's some degree of like so you're aware of knowledge kind of but also you're seeing you're get you're picking up audio logs from yourself saying oh sure i've done this before like i, I pick- see so the input the implication is that the runs that you're playing aren't all of the runs that are happening is or have happened at some point no the- it seems like it's yeah like you will find your body in the world yeah or versions of your body in the world so like this is happening yeah this is happening over and over and over again um they do a really cool thing as well that like really subtle uses of the like the loading speed on the ps5 where the, the when you die the intro will be so rather than the whole intro cutscene, it will like pull out like specific flashes of the intro so like if the intro, oh, sure, yeah. so if the intro itself is like three minutes, it will pull out like twenty seconds of like clips of that, and then you'll wake up, and there'll be some like abstract stuff in there. The one thing I'm actually worried about is because you can skip that very easily because you've seen it a lot. Yeah, my assumption at that point is like they're just picking random clips, and then you'll wake up and continue. So I'm just skipping it at this point. If they start doing weird story stuff about that intro changes as this goes on, they're giving me no indication I should be watching that at any point. Ah, sure. So if I'm sure. just going to skip story shit, 
Um, yeah, and then the other like interesting like the other story thread that goes through the whole thing is like one of the rooms you go you go through a door and like the house that you own from Earth is just there, like in this world, and you go through the front door and it's untouched. And there's like stuff in the house, and it, and it goes first person at that point as well. And you're just wandering around this house like PT style, going like, "What the fuck is even happening?" Like, mm. um, and it, then, it, it seemed it seemed really cool about how it was telling the yeah the story. Yeah, and then also okay. there's a astronaut in like 2021 astronaut gear following you, and I have no idea mm. what that's about yet. Like, absolutely no idea. Um, but yeah, there, there's some. They're they're opening some interesting doors for the story stuff, but like, like I'm saying, it's brutally difficult. Like, yeah. Um, but the the thing I keep so, coming up, the thing I keep coming away from it is that is I think it's the first in a new genre of games, which is like it really sucks for it that Hades exists. So th- you, this was going to be. I, I had two questions, and one yeah. of my questions was going to be how how do you think this game gets framed in a post Hades roguelike universe where that game kind of nailed the whole storytelling loop based gameplay thing because it it wasn't even just like that it nailed the storytelling like it nailed the concept of you're going to do this a lot by constantly drip feeding you new bits of story right like yes yeah yeah i am now at the stage where i am basically just doing runs at the boss and not much is changing like really like one run to the next because there's no progression because there's no like you're not really leveling up you're not getting new gear you're not really unlocking much it's like okay i kind of know how these runs are going to go it's just a case of do i fuck up these two dodges and then i'm just dead right it's so it feels like they are gating the story in a much more traditionally roguelike way where it's like here's your story for act one here's your story for act two and once you like run out of story like you're just stuck in that loop until you get to the next bit. Um so yeah, it's I like like nobody's gonna be well, I'm not gonna say nobody, but it's exceptionally difficult to do what Hades did. Of course, and this game yeah. certainly is not doing it. It is like we've written a bunch of stuff that we're gonna feed out to you, but there's going to be a hard lock at the end of each one of these acts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so the loops are kind of the loops at this point, and I'm just kind of churning it, trying to get through all the stuff that's there. Um, yeah, that was so. Yeah, it's if Hades hadn't appeared, if Hades wasn't a thing, I think this game would be getting a lot more credit for like trying to do interesting story stuff with oh, sure. this format. Um, but it's just been outclassed. So, so then, I guess, I guess, um, my next question would be. Is this a game that sells PS5s to people? Like, do is is this is is this a game that you think people should mainly specifically asking for me? But is no. it in general is it worth the whole process of trying to get a PS5 right now to play Returnal? There is one person I can say that for, and it's a guy I used to work with whose favorite game in the world is Nex Machina. Right, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you should probably pay £519 to play this game. Like, this is... To play Returnal. This yeah. is basically your game, right? Except that maybe it's not, right? Because Next Machina was like a top-down shooter, and this is more of a third-person action game. Like, yeah. so maybe it doesn't actually apply. Like, the shooting feels good in the way you would expect from that studio, but it's a different... It's a subtly different type of game. Um. So who knows? But, like, no, don't... 
this is not gonna not gonna shift I, I, units. It's not gonna shift units unless it's a thing that you want. It's probably a good. Hmm, what can I say? For a game that that like sitting my wife watching me play, like she was definitely at points going, "This looks really nice." Like that's about yeah. the. Like, oh it's yeah, a it's good, a really good looking thing. Yeah, and it's a good show off for like what the PS5 can do. Like it's pretty constrained. Like it's not giant open worlds, and it's not like massive amounts of voice acting. But the stuff that's there, like, looks fucking tremendous and well animated. And like the tentacle, mm. the tentacle technology in this game is spectacular. I'll give you that. People, it's this game is an interesting show off for what the PS5 can do in some interesting ways. Like I said, like the loading time stuff is really interesting, especially in terms of a game like this where like dying and then reloading back to the start is a very quick process. That kind of stuff. Like they show that stuff off pretty well. The trigger stuff as well. Like it feels like such a dumb thing to bring up, but like the trigger stuff is actually pretty good where it's the the resistive trigger thing. Yeah. The resistive triggers where like every gun has an alt fire. uh, Every gun has an alt fire and the alt fire is random depending on which version of the gun you get. So you can get like, you'll find another gun that is the same gun, but has a different power for the alt fire and all this kind of stuff. But the way it works is that you... So you can just hip fire, or you can half pull the trigger to do like a, a like an ADS, but if you fully pull the trigger and you can feel it click past when you pull the trigger, that's what activates your alt fire. So if you fire when you're in that mode, it will fire your alt fire instead. So it's a weird skill thing as well, which I hadn't seen the triggers used for, where you have to train yourself to not just yank that trigger down when you want to fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to like half pull it and it's 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 pretty cool. I can imagine that gets kind of annoying in high pressure situations. Yeah, right? it sucks. Especially when like yeah. if you try and fire when you don't have your alt fire charged, like it just clicks. It just like beeps at you. It's like, no shoot yeah. the fucking thing. Like no. Yeah, so you have to kind of stay calm. Can you is there is there a way I don't actually remember if we talked about this or not, is there a way to like um change how resistive those triggers are? Just so that, like, they have, in high-pressure situations, you have to, like, properly pull it down. They haven't... The only system-level setting is, like, strong light and off, I think. Right, okay. And for this game, I don't think they do anything specific, especially because, like, you need to have the 50% trigger thing. So th- there's definitely been an issue where a bunch of games have designed stuff around those triggers and then gone, yeah. oh, sh- oh, shit, this accessibility is fucking terrible. Because like a lot, of, a lot of people who like rumble really affects their ability to like handle controllers properly and that kind of stuff, or people who can't use triggers because they yeah, don't have the they sure. don't have the same level of finger control. Like they already can't use triggers and have to remap buttons anyway. So like the idea of like you need to have very fine control over these triggers, like as a gameplay element, I would hope that there's some setting in there to be able to go disable all this shit. Um, but I'm not. I can't. I can't say if that's actually there or not. Um, but yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's currently too expensive, I think. Yeah, um, but it's it's a good showpiece in the same way that I remember picking up Resogun when the PS4 yeah. came out. Going, that's a lot of particles. That's cool. Oh yeah. Um, and yet, like the particle effects as well. I will say in this is like. This kind of the signature house mark thing. So there are like one way teleporters throughout the the 
the game. Well, there's a couple of different types of teleporters, but there are teleporters that will take you, they can use to basically jump around the map. So, like, if you've died and have respawned at the alien hole thing, yeah, like, there are teleport points around the map, so you can just, like, jump to where you were. The effect for that is really cool, where basically, like, when you use it, your character basically, like, melts into into um, particles and then reforms on the other side. Like, it's a cool effect that is ah, definitely sure, one of those yeah. things that is, like, this feels suitably future. This is cool. Um, but, like, gameplay-wise, that's zero effect on it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I hope I get good enough at the game to be able to see the rest of the game, <laughs> to be honest. Um, okay, yeah. But um, it sounds like the next area, or all the areas, are sufficiently distinct in terms of, like, visuals and enemies and activities and that kind of stuff. And generally, I just kind of want to see what they do with the story. Because, like, those games, those that studio is not exactly known for their storytelling because like Rizzo mm-hmm. doesn't really have a story um, I'm interested to see what they do with it because they've got some interesting premises in there also there's a weird online segment to that game that is currently unclear as to what it means um, where there's stuff like <laughs> so like one of, the, one of the rooms you get to is like a basically a store right and it's like there's a bunch of like the fabricator things for for trading in currency and one of the machines in that room you can either put the not the the non ether currency in or take ether out and there's a bar that changes depending on what you're doing and it there's a reference in there to the fact that like other scouts may affect this so it seems like if enough people put like enough a money glo- in a global pool or something like yeah that. but like it re- it like if you go there when the pool is full it like spits out an item at you I I, I don't understand how it works ah. I do not understand exactly what it's doing. Um, but I don't know if that's the extent of it, or like, are you going to find other people's bodies in the world, or yeah, something? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let's take a quick break, and then we'll briefly talk about Resident Evil, and then yeah, I was going to say I don't know how much you can talk about because you've not played much, but I we'll get into that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I believe you've got some music for us for the the interval. Yeah. Um... It's hard because there's no video games coming out, so I keep having to dip back into the well of. Yep. Previous years to talk about. Um, so I've just kind of been running down our list of like um, stuff we talked about at Game of the Year uh, mm. with best soundtrack and best original track. So I'm going to give you the track that I put forward for best original track from Paradise Killer. Oh, um, yeah. Because you put in. Oh, what did you, uh, which one did you put in? I can't uh, remember. Headlights in the Road is probably. Headlights the in the Road. Uh, yeah. I wanted to put in. Uh, oh, God, how do you pronounce it again? Lemajetti and Bop. Um, yes, is the name yes. of the song. Uh, yep. I am uh-huh. a sucker for those like '90s bass keyboard things that go on. Um, yeah, this track's got a really, really good one of those. It's just yep. really funky. Um, I like it a lot. I still listen to it quite a lot to these yeah. days, just because it's got it's got that bounce that you need sometimes. Definitely had that album on a loop for an entire workday at one point. It just it oh, yeah. worked that Fucking well. Killer album, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So yeah, um, this is the Lemajetti and Bop from the Paradise Killer sound. Cool. Uh, yeah, so check the post for links so you can buy that and we'll be back with a little bit right after this.
that was the Lemonjetian bop from the Paradise Killer soundtrack. Um, I keep wanting to call it Lemington bop, but that's not how it's spelt. I, 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 th- I think that's he's for British and we know like Lemington Spa and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. But anyway, um, if, the game, if the game cycle keeps going and we can't talk about more video games, you might hear more of that in the coming weeks. Who knows? Listen, I'll play that entire album if you want. It's great. I mean, <laughs> it's excellent. It's like multiple years worth of podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the other big game was Resident Evil Village or Village mm. Resident Evil or whichever way they're writing that. I think it's Resident Evil Village. Right. Um, colon Biohazard or whatever the fuck they're doing. Um, yeah. So that, that hit on, uh, on Friday, Friday. too. Yeah. So I've played like four-ish hours of that game it feels like longer yeah. but i think it's about four-ish hours of that game based on Skullba on twitter and how i assume the stru- that game is structured i'm probably about a third of the way through it see, i mm, see that's not what i had heard okay so th- i heard the game's like eight hours <laughs> so okay might be halfway through so i had heard again I'm, I'm basing this kind of how i assume the game's structured like in terms of the story where it makes a lot of sense for there to be three acts and for me to have finished the first act basically um right, okay. and i also a lot of the scott but i saw was like it's like people complaining that it was so yeah a lot of this came from the fact that like people were complaining that the reviews were hitting people are like it's like 12 hours long or whatever it is mm. and then people posting from how long to play and it was like yeah that's about the same time as it takes to complete resident evil 4 one of the most beloved games in the series yeah. like shut the yeah. fuck up games can be games games can be short it's fine um so yeah so i'm about four hours in i will have yeah it, for anyone who's played the game finishing the first act probably knows what i am referring I think, to i there. think i know what you're talking yeah. about yeah um i'm really liking it it's <sighs> I keep wanting to say like it feels more campy than Seven did. Like, oh, it, def- it definitely does. Seven took itself very seriously. Seven was despite, yeah. all the, despite all the spooky like creepy fungus bullshit that was in there. It took itself like quite survival horror. It was and- it was much closer to like a yeah like much closer to survival horror than those games have ever done before. Partly I yeah. think because of the VR influence, but but this game is definitely more. It feels more Resident Evilly definitely like it feels more like there's some weird science mysticism bullshit going on yeah constantly um and they're okay to just wave over a bunch of like ah reasons is why the story stuff happens yeah um but i am really enjoying it it is just again for the second time this episode just looks spectacular so i'm playing on oh, PS- yeah. ps5 i don't think there's like a performance quality setting thing but whatever the default is i'm playing it at um with hdr it just looks like the people who have played the castle demo and stuff like that or the original demo like parts of that just look photoreal and i don't mean in like the, oh yeah like yeah, yeah. i don't mean in like the traditional like wow that looks really good for a video game like this looks like a photo in the same way that when PT came out, people were like, this looks like it's a real house and that's why it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But there's a level of detail to everything that is just absolutely cr- There's a room, again, this is from this is from the demo, but it's in the full game as well. There's a room called, I think it's called the Room of War, or whatever it's called, where you've got to light two braziers to open a secret door. Um, the room itself is circular with like a, like a, mar- like a carved marble, like, 
um, mural of like two two war two horses fighting. Yeah, and it's just like it's a level of detail in that carving that I physically don't know how they do that and have my thing not ex- have my PS five not explode. It's just it's kind of incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And all the characters look really good. The animation, voice acting is really good. Um, so yeah, that part of it, like basically flawless at this point. It it just looks absolutely incredible. Um, Story wise, it's interesting. It it really obviously can't talk about it, but like they come out the gate hard with that game. Like you'll see once you see the intro, but like they go zero to 60 very quickly in that game it's got a very aggressive opening yeah. oh boy um and th- thankfully as well at the start of the game they do like a do you want to see a previously on in case yeah. you have come from like resi 5 or whatever it is and like who the fuck is ethan winters it's like well here's here here here's here's the, the previous game and here's mia and basically like I don't know why they take you through that entire game because, like, that's basically the only bit of story you need to know going into this is, like, here's Ethan, here's Mia, some bad shit went down, slash fungus. I mean, yeah, for, for, for what you know right now, yeah, that's all you need to know. Exactly, yeah, like, who knows on, who knows yeah. what happens later on, but, like, that's kind of what, all you need. Um, but, yeah, so they go from 0 to 60 in that game. They, so I pulled up, I, I had been thinking this as I was playing it, but thankfully there's a Kotaku article is here which says the same thing, which is headline, someone at Capcom really hates Ethan Winter's hands. Like... Yeah, his hands get really fucked up in both of those games. Holy shit! They are... I mean, I understand, like, it's a first-person game and your hands are your main, like, window into the world, but they just fuck with them, like, in ways that just seem cruel. Like, in, like, real kind of, like, vaguely Saw-esque ways where they take pleasure in just fucking this dude's hands up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure, and and varied in different ways. Yeah, it's, and it really, yeah. I think, I think is it, obviously, I think because it's like they're trying to be visceral, right? And when you're first person, your hands are like your first totally, thing you see. So. Totally, there's a we maybe how much of the lore of seven do you know? Uh, a fair bit. Why? Okay, we need to talk off air about a specific moment that I need you sure. to explain whether I should know what the fuck happened or whether yeah. it's part of the the storytelling the, the thing the thing that i hope comes out of because the stuff that i've heard about village is that it's got a really strong first half and a really weak back half yeah. where it it gets weird about like shoehorning in the rest of resident evil but i hope that by doing that they explain why the fuck ethan winters can do the things that he does yeah because he's just a guy yes and like like he's just a dude and he went through so much shit in seven yeah like his hands getting fucked up and like all the, like all the shit he went through in seven, so, and then also this where yeah. so there's a there's a specific moment. I mean, there's a specific moment I want to ask you about that you've probably seen because it's fucking all over the internet at this point. But I'll I'll not spoil yeah. it just in case. But there's definitely a moment where like that initial first hour is just incredible. Like it's so yeah. it's so atmospheric. It's so it really. And it's just it's just so harsh and so much is happening constantly, yeah. but gives it yeah. room to really breathe and let you go like what the fuck is actually going on here? Like the real yeah. awesome moment. But it's definitely a moment where like after a bunch of shit has happened and he's just like he does the movie thing of movie sequel thing of like, Why is this happening to me again? And I just I laughed. I just couldn't deal with the idea. Yeah, like, of, like that that's kind of I kind of wanna know, like, if they're 
if they're going to tie this into the larger world, I want to know why specifically Ethan is that special. Yep. Like, I mean, they've already. Why can he do that? They've already brought in a old character from the series into that game at the very start of it. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. Well, he's how, in the, he's how in are the they? Half of seven as well, but yeah. Yeah, but like, how are they involved in all of this? Like, what is? Yeah, exactly. Okay, like, sure. Don't know. Um, but yeah, so because like in, in in seven, like. Well, spoilers for seven, but that game's old at this point. The like in the first like hour or something like that, his hand gets cut off. Yes, like uh-huh. properly separated. Then you wake up and it's been reattached, and it's like fine. He pours the special water on it, bit, and everything's yeah. okay. So like, that's not a human thing. Like humans can't do that. So <laughs> I, and that was, mm, yeah, yes. We'll leave yes. it. We'll leave it there for now. Yeah, but yeah, 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 there's definitely some stuff I want to talk to you about off air. Um, but I remembered that bit about uh, two hours into my playthrough. Went, hang on, this fucker lost a hand. Wait, yeah. what? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's that. There's that stuff. Um, gameplay wise, it's very much like a first person Resident Evil. Like, there's lots of keys and locks and putting fascias and holes and doors and things like that. Yep. And finding um, um, what are they called uh, crests, crests, lots of crests, masks, and, lots of yeah. masks. Um, I will say the they've kept the map from the Resi 2 and 3 remake where it's like all of the rooms are red until you found everything in that oh, room and then we'll clear yeah, it. Yeah, the red and blue highlight. Yeah, yeah that's that stuff. That, yeah, that it's really, really smart. And actually the map's, the map's really good and also kind of important for some parts of that game um, where you need to know where the fuck you're going, um, which is interesting. But um, a couple of things like that feel almost like PSAs, like... There are definitely a couple of moments at the start of that game that there are a lot of forced combat failures at the start of that game where Mm. I have wasted a lot of resources before realizing I was not supposed to survive that encounter Uh, and it sucks and there's no... Okay, I'm only going to do this because I made this mistake multiple times the first house you get trapped in, and people will know the bit when you get there, the first house you get trapped in, you have to kill the thing that's in the house. That is how you finish that encounter. They don't make that clear. They don't give you an objective. They, If you just like die there, you just die. You yeah, have yeah. to kill that thing, and then everything resolves itself. And like they do that twice in the opening hour of that game. And like that, that's the only part of this that feels super old-fashioned. It's like no, just especially in a game where resources are so important, like making you waste all of them at this point yeah, to yeah. not have anything is it kind of sucky. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. Like I say, I think I'm I'm like four or five hours in at this point. Um, I am fascinated to see what the fuck they've done because at the end of that first act is the first like wait, what is that doing there moment. It's like, how are they going to tie this into that larger story? Um, yeah. It's fun. Um, Tall Lady Tall as well. She is, yes, she yeah. is like, like put aside all the like internet stuff. Like as a character, she's absolutely spectacular. Like the voice oh, yeah. acting, the like, voice the re- acting and the motion capture. They, they, the reason the internet latched onto it is because it's such a good character. Like totally. it's not just, oh my God, Tall Lady Step on me. Like it's, but also it's like, it's she's a, very striking and distinctive. Yeah. And yeah. very well performed. Uh, yes. And yeah, sure very is. well acted. And there's a, some really good, maybe don't watch it till you've played the game, but there's a really, a couple of really good behind the scenes stuff on YouTube. There's like, 
the 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 actress in the mocap suit with like they were doing performance capture, so they have the camera in front of the face, but she's also got like a the giant hat with balls on it for the motion capture, <laughs> which I thought was yeah. really funny, but like. Because the hat is so big that it would fuck up the motion capture thing, they basically sliced off the front of the hat. So it's big, but only like three quarters of it is big at the back. It's great. Um, yeah, uh, they do. Yeah, there's there's a lot in that game that I'm super excited to talk about oh, yeah. when you when you see yeah. it all. Um, and I, again, the, the scuttlebutt on Twitter is that, yeah, this game is much more lighthearted and wants you to... I think that's the other point, actually, t- to be clear, like... Contrary to Seven, which is a game I couldn't go near, and we talked about this um, last time, like Seven was a game I couldn't go near just because it was too much, like as a first-person horror game like that, like doing the things it did, like I just couldn't go near that game. It was as a as a person who likes those type of games, like just couldn't touch it. This definitely wants you to have a good time. Like it feels like closer to like the kind of slasher movies of old, where it's like, yeah, it's technically a horror game, but like they want you to have fun and see all the stuff that's there. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. Which is which is a really good moment, but which is a really good thing. But the skull button twitter is that like there's a moment in that game that is like one of the most horrifying things that stories that series has ever done, and it Ooh. sure as shit hasn't happened yet. So yeah, we'll find out. In fact, I hope it hasn't happened yet because it hasn't hit me in the same way. But yeah, we'll see. Um, game's really cool and it's out for everything now. I think yep. runs super well on PS5 as well. Um, I've seen I've seen some uh, I've so the I've seen people play it, but they've always played it on PC. Mm. I've seen some weird performance issues on PC. Really, like random frame rate drops and like hitching and stuff like that. I don't weird. know if that's I don't I can't say it's the person because the person's a streamer, so they've got a really powerful computer. Sure, but I I just a heads up to people. I have seen weird performance issues on the pc okay. version it may or may not happen to you just... fair enough I, I haven't seen okay that's good to know um also i i tried <laughs> i fucking figured out part of the so i think i told i think i said uh last time when i was playing the the, the demo that the demo crashed on me and crashed my ps5 yes so almost at the same point or the equivalent point in the full game the same thing happened again like crashed out my controller switched off or like tv oh, really? okay. tv switched off controller switched off i hit the controller button on my ps5 beeped as if it had rebooted yeah i was like what the fuck that's weird that it's the same fucking point and then booted it back up did this like resume from suspend thing and kicked me right back to where i was in a pause menu and i was like that doesn't right. feel like a game that's crashed like it wouldn't have done that if the game had crashed what the fuck was going on Turns out PS5, and this is also on our PSA, PS5 has a reverse HDMI CEC function where if your TV turns off, it will put the PS5 into rest mode, like automatically. So normally that only goes one way. Normally that only like the TV is the respondent to that. So like if you switch off your PlayStation, it'll turn off TV. The reverse is a setting in your PS5 menu, in your PS5 settings for that. If the TV turns off, it will put your PS5 into rest mode. Which will probably work for a lot of people, but like for me, my TV has a habit of just turning itself off every like every six hours if you've had it on for a long time, and um, with no warning. So that's what happened to me. Is it just like TV clicked off? It's stuck my PS5 into rest mode, and I booted it back up, and I was right back to where I started. But um, 
yeah, just as an FYI, that is a setting in your PS5, just to make want to turn it off. Strange. Okay. Yeah. Um. Cool. So that's. I think that's all the games. There's yep. a little bit of news. We should probably actually start based on the stuff we've already talked about, which was the saga of Returnal's launch, which had a hell of a week, mm. where they put out a patch for that game. Um, the first patch for that game and then got a bunch of reports of like hell my progress is gone and then they went oh shit and rolled the patch back and then rolled out a new patch over the course of like 24 hours and the patch notes for the 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 new patch that fixes the issue is like so depressing to read where it's like okay if you get this error message, your saves are recoverable if you use the new patch, but please wait until the new patch has arrived before you can use it. If you comes up with this patch, if it comes up with this error number, your save file is entirely corrupt. We're really sorry. You're going to have to just start again. We're really, really sorry. And it was just like, man, how the fuck does that happen? Because it wasn't even like it just corrupts the save in a way that like you could send the save to them and they could maybe fix it. Like it yeah. sets your save file to zero KB. Like, it just nukes the whole thing. So okay. it's just like... So the file still exists, it's just got no memory. It's got like, no, no size, data in it. Zero yeah. size, yeah. So it just, like, it just nukes the whole thing. It's like, it's Especially considering how brutal that game is, that sounds like a thing that would, like... There are probably people who would never pick that game up again. Um, oh, yeah, in, in that sure, case. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the only real big news is probably the Epic Apple stuff. I mean, I think that's going to be the biggest news for many, many weeks to come. Cause yeah, because it's still every, happening. Every day that that trial goes on, there's more stuff that comes out. Yeah. Okay, actually, there's there's a, there's a couple of things. I'm just I'm I'm checking my my news links to make sure the stuff that's not related to that. Um. Yeah. So the the one thing just to follow up a couple of stories from last time. Um, Humble Bundle have backed out of their um changes to their slider system. Well, okay, that's not true. Um, we're taking a moment to pause, collect constructive feedback, and be more transparent about the path forward. Does not mean that they will revert it. It means they're going to take another pass at this. Um, yeah. so, so for people who missed it last time, like the Humble slider, if you bought something off Humble, um, you could have a slider that was like, how much of the money do you want to give to Humble and the publishers? How much do you want to give to charity? They capped that at 15%, and a lot of people were super pissed about it, understandably. Um, they're rethinking it. Um, so yeah. Good. 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 Public, public pressure of that kind of stuff works. Um, that was... Oh, that's also Epic Apple. We'll move on to that in a second. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things where, like, so many companies are involved and so many weird I side this things is, happened. This is what I mean, that, like, the more... Every day that this trial happens, the more stuff comes out from, like, nearly every angle. So yeah. you're just getting it from everywhere. It's Yeah. Uh, so the one other thing, um, there's a... So do you remember a game called Overgrowth? Um, it was the game, it was like a procedurally animated game with like anthropomorphic bunny rabbits that did kung fu. It was like... Vaguely, yeah. It was like all very physics-based and like had a really good combat system. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I do remember this. It was like third person. Yeah. Third person, yeah. So that's from a, that's from a company called Wolfire Games um, and their founder, David Rosen, has taken Valve to court um, because... Uh, basically, the Overgrowth developer, so this is from the Gamma Sutra article, Overgrowth developer filed an antitrust lawsuit against Valve in April after taking issue with its extra, extraordinarily high cuts of revenue it takes from Steam developers. So there's a bit of 
backstory to this, but the short version of it basically was um, Overgrowth was on Steam because I think it was in early access for a while. And when it came out, they were like, hey, we want to put this on Itch and whatever other stores we want to do because stuff places like Itch and places like EGS has better... Um, commission for developers as because yeah, yeah, yeah. Valve are still they've got a better, they've 30%. Got a better split. Yeah, yeah, better split. So they tried to take it to Itch and said to Steam, hey, what's the process for us taking this to Itch? Um, and then this is the quote from, from David Rosen. When I asked Valve about this plan, they replied that they would remove overgrowth from Steam if I allowed it to be sold at a lower price elsewhere, even from my own website and without Steam keys and without Steam's DRM. This would make it impossible for me or any game developer to determine whether or not Steam is earning that their commission. So they've basically locked that game into that store. Yeah. And like they're in the they're in the position of like like Steam's fucking massive, right? If you're not on Steam, you're just not going to sell the same numbers. Like yeah. you don't get put in front of enough eyes. Your game but, kind of has to be on Steam, yeah. Yeah. But Steam is basically saying you have to sell this on every store at the same price. So you can't sell it for less because you get more of a commission in other stores. It has to be the same price as in Steam, even though we're taking more money. And they said they will pull it from from Steam if that is the case. And apparently Rosen went to a bunch of lawyers and went, that sounds remarkably like an antitrust violation. Yep, um, sure does. So he is now taking Valve to court. Um, As the dominant platform when developers list their games on multiple PC stores, the majority of their sales will come through Steam. I believe this makes most developers afraid that if they don't sell on Steam, they will lose the majority of their revenue. They're probably right. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. So there's a full blog post that will be linked in the in the article that basically in the post for this that basically talks about what happened. But yeah, that sucks. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing, um, and it's interesting. I suppose the only reason they could have come forward is like this is going to come forward anyway because we're suing them. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... you know. Um. So yeah, let's fucking get into this. So the Apple Epic lawsuit over the Fortnite shit from like six months ago is it that long ago i can't remember when it actually happened yeah but um yeah so epic pushed a patch to Fortnite that i let them bypass apple store for buying v bucks um apple said no 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 and pulled up uh Fortnite from the store and then this was all part of the plan epic went fuck this and just sued them for their store policies basically so that whole part of it's weird to say, but that whole part of it is kind of not even the story anymore, because what's happened since then is that, as part of legal discovery, where people have been like requesting documents from the other side and yeah, other it's, places, it's the whole it's the whole part of the legal process where you get all the information. Yeah, it's, yeah, and you 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 can request you have to request information from the other side, and they have to give you yep. it in various degrees yep. and all this kind of stuff. Because this is Apple and because this is Epic who do the Unreal Engine, who work with basically everyone, all of these documents have started appearing that various sides have requested, which just, you get a real insight into a bunch of stuff that you are never supposed to see. Like, yeah, we it's are, a real peek behind the back curtain. Yeah, right so, the... so it, it varies from like the kind of slightly funny, to, well not funny, but like slightly interesting to see where... Um, this is from Kotaku. Uh, do, 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 do. As part of this proceedings, Nintendo provided documents that include a publisher contract, um, which basically, so Nintendo submitted basically 25 pages of blacked out, redacted, yeah, redacted contract. Stuff, yeah. But one of the things it does say, though, is that um, 
Nintendo did leave one notable detail, namely a stipulation that bars Japanese developers and publishers from working with the Yakuza. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's specifically part of the contract. Um, requires Nintendo partners to guarantee they neither, they, that neither they nor their employees are, quote, anti-social forces, which is a thing, which is, like, capitalised as a thing in Japan, or are providing money or favours to said forces. Uh, they are defined by repeatedly using the term... Or Yokudan, which is what the Japanese police and media call members of organized crime syndicates. Sure, yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff in there. But I just thought that that was a... Like, of course they do. Like, of course that's part of it. Because, like, you look at any contract like that, and it's like, you're also not working with white supremacists. Like, that's always part of these kind of things. Because you can write whatever the fuck you want in a contract. But that that seems plausible. Um, But yeah, so some of the other stuff was kind of where it started to get buck wild so uh let's start with um just how much sony didn't want to do crossplay as it turns out out. turns out a lot so back when they were talking again around Fortnite, which is i assume is why this letter these these emails came to light because this was around Fortnite. and when Fortnite started switching on cross-platform they basically got to the stage where everything was cross-platform except for playstation 4 or PlayStation in general. Um, And they were kind of dragging their feet and not really talking about it and said that, like, doing the usual bullshit of, like, we don't think this is right for our consumers and, like, we're worried about safety and blah, 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 blah. So then, as part of this lawsuit, these emails come out between uh, Joe Kreiner, who's the business development for Unreal Engine and Epic, and was it Joe Corsi? Was that who it was? In yeah, Sony's senior director of developer relations. So... I don't have the actual letter, but I do have the quotes. So basically, um, so the letter from Epic to PlayStation was like, uh, it starts, we love working with PlayStation and we want this to be a win-win. The longer this drags out, it will be less so. I can't think because now Epic doesn't get what we want. That possibility went out the door when Fortnite became the biggest game on PlayStation. <laughs> hell, <laughs> it's a hell of a system you have there. It'd be terrible if something happened to it. Um, here's what I propose. Number one, we give you the data you're asking for regarding the marketing data. So obviously they were asking for some kind of like data out of Fortnite yeah, that they don't yeah. yeah that they don't normally get. Two, Epic deeply integrates Sony's esports API into Unreal Engine 4 as the engine level feature. One, what the fuck is that API? But sure. No idea. Uh we mark and advertise as a first class citizen of the engine, quote, maybe E3 announced question mark. And we support it in Fortnite. We announce crossplay in conjunction with Sony. Epic goes out of its way to make Sony look like heroes. You get to pick the when, where, how. Um, Epic brands its E3 presence with PlayStation. We're planning a 100-player celebrity pro-am with a huge after-party. Budgets I've seen are huge and will perhaps be the biggest event at E3. Brackets may be willing to announce all the celebrities on stage. New partnerships? Question mark. Um, Maybe we commit a game at the launch of your next VR platform. Maybe we do something with PS Plus. Epic extends the Sony company-wide UE4 license. Um... I don't think I've mentioned this before, but your license to use UE4 expires in May 2019. That license is some of the best terms we've ever offered for UE4. It's a nice license agreement you have there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Like, is this real, like... It's business. Like, it's cold, hard business. Cold, hard business. Let's make this a huge win for us all. Epic's not changing its mind on this issue, so let's just agree on it. Um... So then Gio Corsi, again, this is from the Verge article, Gio Corsi's senior, Sony's senior director of de- developer relations at the time dismissed the idea of crossplay, quoting that, quote, cross-platform play is not a slam dunk no matter the size of the title. 
As you know, many companies are exploring this idea and not a single one can explain how cross-console play improves the PlayStation business, which is yeah. the quote that really got people. And it's like... Yep. Yeah, like... Yeah, that, that's that's exactly what... When when you think about it, that's exactly what everybody expected, right? Is like, hey, Sony, turn on cross-play. No, why would that give us any benefit? Like, we're the, we're, the, like, we're the biggest company. Like, why the fuck would you... Why would we ever give away the money we don't need to give away? Like that's the thing. Yeah, and it's, exactly. It's, like, yeah. and it's 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 interesting to have this out there because it really cuts against. Like, of course, it's PR bullshit, but like, it really cuts against their like for the players shit, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Like all if of Sony the, like, ever, if Sony ever tell you that they are doing stuff for the benefit of the players, you now know that they're not telling you the right. truth. Like, like that's... this is the most for the players thing they could possibly do, right? And they're just like, nah, because we're gonna lose a shit ton of money. Yeah, so. The email correspondence doesn't reveal where the issue ultimately ended up, but a document entitled, quote, cross-platform policy requirements and process from August 2019 after the Sony change uh, reveal how Sony may now approach cross-play. So basically they did the cross-platform thing because they got so much public pressure to do it. But yeah. then they announced, then they, I, not announced, this is the internal fucking slide that says attorney's eyes only, which is hilarious. I was going to say, yeah, the, the amount of slides on those, the discovery stuff that says for attorney's eyes only yeah. are so good and I love yeah. it so much. So this is one, this is one that basically says cross-platform revenue share. And basically this was their plan to enable cross-platform on more games, but quote, offset the reduction in revenue, which basically means that like, they're basically swinging their EPs about saying like, yeah. we are the biggest platform. You're going to have to come here. So here's how this is going to work. And basically to set terms that work in the way that basically says you need to, because the other problem was that with V-Bucks specifically is that V-Bucks were account specific, uh, tied to an account. Yeah. Uh, to a Fortnite account, not a, a Fortnite account. An epic account. account. Yeah. yeah, an epic account. So if you bought V-Bucks on EGS, they would come over to your PS4 crossplay or, or at the time to your Xbox, to your Switch, whatever. So those V-Bucks were stored. And like V-Bucks on the on the platform stores was a big money driver, right? Mm-hmm. So they're saying basically like we are we have they literally have a fucking equation that is like amount of money made on PlayStation, amount of global player base do some equation, here's how much you owe us because of the cross-platform, or we switch cross-platform off. And it's just this number that they just they, they pull out, and it's just like, they give an example. Um, so basically, uh, once you hit a relative limit of like PS4 gameplay share against other platforms, like there's a there's a cap that once you cross that, that's when you have to start paying money. And it's just this thing, yeah. it's like, so and again, to be very clear, like we, like the other companies may have similar agreements. We have no idea. We just know that, like, because Sony were kicking up such a stink, like, we have this. So we know this happened. And we also don't know if this is still true. This was 2019. Like, to be very clear, like, this was a snapshot of time. And they have not confirmed or denied that this is still in progress. So... Yeah. um, Nobody knows. Yeah. And the other two parts of the policy were that publishers can't transfer virtual currency to and from PlayStation. And there must be a setting to disable all cross-platform interactions is the other parts of their requirement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, so this was the first one I saw that was like, they're just dumping fucking documents that yeah. human eyes so, were not supposed to see. It was my, kind of my impressive. favorite one. My favorite one that I read was, uh, the email chain between, um, Tim Sweeney, Epic and Tim Cook at Apple. Right. Where, yep. From back in 2015, where Tim Cook emailed them and was talking about, 
wait, is it Tim Sweeney that's on Epic? Tim Sweeney's Tim on Sweeney's Epic, Epic right? yeah. Yep. Yeah. Email the guy, email Tim Cook to say the app store is, the Apple app store is really like restrictive. You should think about the ability to implement different app stores and like stuff like that and back in 2015. And the only response that Tim Cook had to people at Apple and the set the sentence the, it was a, it was a forward with one sentence and it was is this the guy from one of our rehearsals which is basically Tim Cook acting saying to people at Apple I don't know who this is yeah uh-huh. which I found really funny when it's Tim Sweeney at, 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 um epic talking to Apple about the App Store and the guys at Apple are like wait who's this guy yeah like, I don't know who this is. like who the fuck is and this then Fortnite happened and then. Yeah, because that was back in 2015, and then Fortnite exploded, and I really wanted at the point to then Tim Sweeney to email back and be like, "Do you know who I am now?" Like, do you, that yeah, would be great. But yeah, um, so, some so, good stuff coming out of this. Totally. So I mean, there's there's some stuff directly related to Fortnite, which is interesting. That was um, in his first two years, it, Fortnite <laughs> made nine billion dollars in revenue. Nine billion dollars. Yeah. Um, so there's there's so bit, many billions of dollars. Yeah. Like this, so there's and like, it was like, was it not like ninety eight percent of their profits in twenty eighteen or something yeah. like that? So, so yeah. again, one of the exhibits that came out of this thing was like, uh, this is the Epic Games financial board presentation from January twenty twenty, uh, and it's just like they have their their sheet in there that's just like, yep, here's a thing, and it's like, again, this is the company that make Unreal Engine, right? Like they un- they get the engine that powers like. 30 40 percent of video games right like huge thing and it's like fortnite and other are the two listings on like the revenue stuff yeah Um, and it's just it's just kind of wild um that document has some really interesting stuff that was like um they lost they they were 154 million dollars under projection for a specific part uh, under projection for their esports costs because they overestimated the esports opportunity in Fortnite. Like, that's as listed in part yeah. of this document. Um, yeah, they've got, like, employee summaries it and goes to, full it, balance it goes sheets to show and it, stuff. It goes to show, like, just having those numbers goes to show kind of, like, it makes it makes a lot more sense of, like, the not the attitude, but, like, the moves that Epic started making when they had that much money in their back pocket, right? Because it was yeah. also, like, the all the slides and all the information coming out about, like, the Epic Store and when they plan to make a profit on that and how the free game thing worked and all yeah. that makes a lot more sense when they've got nine billion dollars in profit. Exactly like, from two years of this thing. Knew that, everybody knew that Fortnite printed money. Like it was it was clear as day that that thing was earning them a lot of money, but nobody yeah. was able to stick a number on it. And nine billion is a very big number. Yeah. So, it's, so them it's, then being able to like push their weight around it makes a lot more sense. Yes. And again, like because both sides are are warring about this stuff, you're getting both sides of this that don't work yeah. for either of them. Where like oh. Apple dropped a thing that was like, by the way, the iOS version of Fortnite is not even in the top three most profitable versions of that game, which was no, kind of yeah. one of the biggest news news to me because I could have sworn that like iOS and Android would have been the big games, but part of this thing they put out was that. Um, in order, it was PS4, Xbox, Switch, PC, and then iOS um, yeah. of platforms that make the most money. So I, I was fascinated by that. Um, I, I mean, what, ha- what happens when you when you put Fortnite on phones and then every high school in America bans Fortnite on phones? T- totally. Like, I wonder <laughs> like how much yeah. of that's part of it, but like... Yeah, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could speculate about. Yeah. It's... 
Um, so yeah, like Fortnite is considered to be a billion dollar business on its own. In 2019, it brought in $1.8 billion in revenue all by itself. Epic's entire company wide revenue was $3.8 billion, to give you an idea of how big Fortnite was. Yeah. Like it's yep. a massive amount of money. Um, some of the stuff that's happening is not even fucking related to games where like part of uh, Epic's strategy in this is to prove... I mean, the whole thing is about, like, Apple's locked ecosystem and their walled garden and all this kind of stuff, where Epic have uh, emails about um, th- that show that somebody in Apple was trying to get a Android version of iMessage out back in oh, 2016, okay. which is one of the, like, core contentions that is people... So, like, and, like Apple being Apple, if you've ever... I mean, anyone who has an iPhone knows this, but if you get a text message or a message on from somebody on another iPhone, it's green. If you get a message from somebody on anything that's not an iPhone, it's a different color. Like, yeah. to really show, like, hey, this person doesn't have an iPhone. Like, that kind of level of stuff. Um, so they were like, hey, maybe we should put iMessage I, I on Android to ease people to transfer, right? As opposed to locking them into to iMessage. Um yeah, so they basically have this email that's like, hey, maybe we should do this. And they're like, we are not fucking doing this. Why would we ever fucking... Like, the exactly same argument that PlayStation were making, right? Why the fuck do we ever do this? We've got people locked in because of this client. Why would we ever get rid... Like, remove one of our, our core selling points, right? It's... Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, like, that kind of stuff is also in there. Like, people just beat and shout each other. Um... Fortnite isn't on Xbox Cloud Gaming because Epic won't allow it. Um, quote from Vice President of Business Development at Epic. We viewed Microsoft efforts with xCloud to be competitive with our PC offerings. So they're being shitty as well. Like, everyone involved in this is just a nightmare. It's terrible. It's, yeah, it's it's good. It's, it's going to be an interesting time to sit and look at this stuff because yeah. you're just going to learn... So, so much stuff that you never were supposed to. Exactly. Like learning about um, the Metaverse, capital M, mm. um, which I thought was very funny. So, like, again, Tim Sweeney, so Tim Sweeney was on the stand during this um, during this trial. And, we're, and again, we'll, nothing makes me simultaneously laugh and cry more than people who don't know how the fuck technology works asking questions about technology. Like, watch any fucking, like, political discussion about encryption and you're just like oh you just don't get this at all okay fine we're gonna sit here and ask dumb questions forever right um so one of the things that epic have been pushing for fortnite is this concept of the metaverse which basically means as far as i can tell to them means like fortnite's not just a battle royale game it's a thing that does concerts and like brand deals and you can just hang out with your friends in this chat room and maybe it's also vr chat and a bunch of other like all stuff built around Fortnite as a concept. So you just have these these lawyers just going, so what do you mean by the metaverse? Um, yeah. And according to Tim Sweeney, quote, it's a real-time computer-powered 3D entertainment and social medium in which real people would go into a 3D simulation together and have experiences of all sorts. I wonder, I can't find the quote, Um, but there's basically something like, God, I wish I'd, bookmark the quote but um oh is it this i think it was this bookmark i did uh 
Oh, maybe not. Oh, this is the thread of the whole thing. Doesn't matter. But basically, like him saying that, like when they asked, like, so what is the metaverse? And him is going, it is the greatest thing that the internet has ever seen, and will take over. It's all this fucking bullshit. It was kind of incredible, but also yeah. Tim Sweeney directly referencing Snow Crash, the novel, which is where the concept of the of the term the metaverse came from. The metaverse, yeah. Like he's just like, yeah, it's like Snow. Have you ever have you ever seen Snow Crash? It's like I'm asking you about what the fuck games are. You think I've read Snow Crash? God damn it. Um, oh yeah there you go um, along the way Sweeney positioned Fortnite as something this is from the Verge article along the way Sweeney positioned Fortnite as something much bigger than a simple video game it's a quote phenomenon that transcends gaming he told the court so he's just doing fucking PR while he's on the stand which is great uh, yeah because why wouldn't you Epic's legal team yeah Epic's legal, legal team was responsible for asking questions that set up Sweeney's statements resulting in queries both extremely tailored quote how would you define the metaverse and comically general quote are you familiar with a thing called a console? In quotes. Like, it's fucking wild. This whole, it's, yeah. Um. So then the thing today, which, or yesterday, maybe. No, this is from a while ago, actually, but I'm only just reading the articles. Um. So Apple then got to counter, obviously, counter a lot of this stuff and start doing their cross-examination. Which, again, ties into a story we talked about last time where HIO appeared on Epic Game Store recently. Yeah. Um, and the way they've implemented it in a specific way where it's like, you go to the Epic Game Store, you download the HIO client, you go to the HIO client to download games from HIO. So Apple is now using HIO as a bludgeon to the Epic stuff, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. So um, so it announced that there was going to host HIO and then says, again, Verge article, on the fifth day of the court, however, Apple tried to turn HIO into liability by telling Apple Games Store general manager Stephen Allison about, quote, so-called adult games that were so offensive we cannot speak about them here. Um... Epic hasn't reviewed all these games and Apple noted that standards are different from the Epic Game Stores. So remember, one of the things that... Um, Microsoft had a problem with with Apple in regards to their xCloud stuff was that they basically Apple ha- Apple has this rule that if you are a store like a quote unquote storefront and you can download other stuff each one of those have to be submitted as separate apps for approval which was just like a thing that doesn't work to which one of the lawyers actually I saw was like that's weird like Netflix I can get hundreds of movies on Netflix and I don't have to do that like just completely calling them out and like from a non-technical <laughs> perspective which I thought was very yeah. very funny um Apple noted that standards are different from Epic Game Stores. The list includes, per Apple's attorney, a game called Sisterly Lust that includes, quote, a list of fetishes which include many words that are not appropriate for us to speak in federal courts. Um, Yeah, so it's this them pulling off that's like, pulling this idea in that's like, I mean, look at all this shit that you've got. This is what happens when you don't have a walled garden, right? It's like, we could just, you can just put pornography on this thing. It's like, it's the, uh, it's, it's weird because I think it's like the the company based equivalent of like it's kind of slander, right? Like yeah, totally. The... Yeah, yeah. Um, HIO's Twitter feed jokingly claimed afterwards that they that um, they were renaming their sensitive content filter to Unspeakable Games, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, An itch user has started the Unspeakable. Unspeakable uh, user has started the Unspeakable Game Jam, which is running until June twelfth. Great, um, good job, guys. Yep. That's- so they've got the whole transcript here, which has got some stuff, which is well worth a look, but it's like the core point of it is this quote here. Um, 
Itch.io is... This is... Um, the Epic, Steam, uh, Epic Store guy. Itch.io is an app store that is not the Epic Game Store. Itch is distributing Itch games. Epic is only distributing the app store, Itch.io. Um, and those games are on Itch have not gone through any review process at all. It says, no, they are, sub- they are subject to whatever process Itch puts in front of their devices. So Epic Games, you're sure, is on the hook for whatever process Itch.io puts in place to review these games that are so offensive we cannot speak about them here. Correct? <laughs> like, yeah. they're just like... It's just treated like hardcore pornography, and not even like not even like the acceptable stuff, like the really dodgy shit. It's we want, so we want wild. You to call your, we want you to call yourselves degenerates in court. Yeah. Is, so like yeah. the the whole angle on this is that like look at the shit that happens when you don't curate your store properly, like we Apple do. Like that's the whole argument, and the kind of the like hoops and jumps that they're going through to say like no 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 itch is over here they're doing itch things we are epic and it's very different um having to describe what a second store is it's it's well worth having a look at this transcript it's just fucking wild the stuff that's in there um so yeah and then the last one which again was very directly related to conversations that have happened before just a straight like there's no like there's no tag on here there's no title there's no like for attorneys eyes only so i actually don't know where this came from um but basically it's part of a document that they accidentally published early before the 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 court case actually started um but it basically has a list of like here's all the games that epic did for free for the first six months because epic have been doing the, yeah. the, the like their like free game a month free thing. Game a month yeah. like here's all the games we did in the first six months Here's how much they paid for them to get them for free. Um, and here's how many units they sold, or not sold, activated, I think was the, the technical, entitled, entitlements, sorry. So you end up with stuff like, um, where's the one in here that was stuff like tra- uh, Transistor, right? The super giant game. They paid $200,000 to get that and two and a half million people downloaded it or activated it. Yeah. So you're like, that's what four cents a unit or something like that, um, in terms of actual money. Um stuff like Subnautica was one point four million they paid. Mutant Year Zero was a million, Batman Arkham was a million and a half. Yeah. Metro 30, uh, 2033 Redux, zero. <laughs> they didn't pay anything gave for that. Them, just yeah, gave them it, apparently. Them um but the, the the thing in here that I think is important for like why are they just flushing all this money down the drain one of the columns on the spreadsheet is new epic accounts and epic ua cost which basically means as a result of us putting this game out how many people created an epic account to download this game right so for stuff like subnautica it was like eight hundred thousand units um and stuff like that um but the epic ua cost is if i was reading the the translation of this right is basically the amount of money that Epic had to pay per new account as a result of this. So, like for Subnautica, for those eight hundred thousand results, they essentially paid a dollar seventy four per account. If you translate that out, yeah. Interestingly enough, stuff like Inside and Celeste, which were two games which they paid um, eight hundred thousand and seven hundred fifty thousand for, um, respectively, that's like eleven and twelve dollars a piece per account. So they paid a lot of money for it, didn't get a lot of accounts out of it. So it cost them $11 per account. Yeah. So I think a couple of things to pull out of that. One, like, 
this is why they're doing the free game thing, right? They are getting so well, yeah, they're, they're, new that's obviously why they're, It's obviously why they're, they're trying to get new accounts and then they're trying to get people yeah. for traffic through the but store. But like any traditional business that was like, yeah, we flushed $11.5 million down the toilet. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. And then there was a bunch of other statistics that came out of that as well. Also, the numbers on that, like having read, read a lot of like game developers and game um, business management people, like these numbers are shockingly small. Like, shockingly small, especially on the indie stuff. They're just, like, they are massively underselling the potential of what what they could be selling those games for. Um, yeah. So it's a, a really interesting thing to see. I wish I could find a number. I definitely sent it to you on chat. But the number what? of... Oh, God, I'm going to very quickly find it because it was, it was definitely a spectacular... Um, oh, was this the like the the percentage of people that signed up for a free game and then bought something? Yes, the Epic Store. Yeah, was it not like eight percent? I think it was like seven percent or something like that. Seven eight percent. Yeah, which is laughable. Like again, kind of. Oh, so yeah, it's ridiculously bad. Like we were talking about like things that <laughs> things that like like this was the play. Like the whole play of this was. Oh, here we go. I'm starting to find the the chat now. The whole play of this was like we are going to have to spend a bunch of money because we can, in order to yeah. get people on the store, right? That's the, you don't need documents to see that. That was quite clearly the play, right? Um, but the idea that they they got these statistics in and then they had these numbers and it was, yeah. So they paid one point five million dollars for the Arkham games. Um, yeah, seven percent of people. Who had an account? Who got an account for one of these free games? Converted to actually buying a free game, uh, buying any game on the yeah the Apple Store on the, on the Epic Store. Sorry, so it was one of those mm-hmm. things. Like, yeah, they they spent a lot of money for not a lot of return, and it's unclear based on the documents we have right now whether they feel that was warranted or worth it. Yeah, I think was the other part of this. So, who knows? I like. Keep an eye on this stuff. Like Verge have got the Verge have got a really good thing where they like they thread basically all of the articles they've got that they put up based on the fallout from this. So the thread for this is super good at just seeing all of the shit that's happened so far. Um, yeah, it's fucking wild. It's it's bizarre. It's There's absolutely all, yeah. bizarre. Um, so yeah, and then very quickly, a very interesting time. Yeah. So then very quickly, the other part of it, the other thing was. Um, PlayStation put up a blog post kind of out of nowhere um, announcing PlayStation's new partnership with Discord. Basically, if you translate all of the, yep. the stuff that's in there, they invested a bunch of money in Discord and have said they are more deeply integrating Discord into the PlayStation platform, which makes a lot of sense. Um, what They don't talk about like what form that takes or, or any of that kind of stuff, but sure, like, it's a force of nature, right? It's the discord is the biggest thing out there right now. Um, so it makes sense that it was like, Hey, why don't you just play with your discord friends on your PlayStation? And they just show up right there as opposed to like adding new accounts or all this kind of stuff. Or maybe they take their voice chat, voice chat technology or something like that. Who knows? Um, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And then as a side effect of all this, this dirty laundry coming out, um, Microsoft basically announced very quietly that they are changing their revenue split for the Microsoft store um, where it's going from 70-30, which is what um, Steam does, to an 88-12 revenue split. So 88 to developers, 12 for them. They just announced yeah. that overnight. 
um which is good but it was one of definitely good, one of those yeah. things which is like hey we need to get out in front of this and be like yeah look need, we're fine positive spin yeah. yeah it's great so yeah more of this is going to come uh yeah of course for sure and can't wait it'll be fascinating to see um and again i really recommend the verge's coverage of this it's been excellent their reporters have been doing live tweet threads every day as they're watching the 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 um actual um case what do you call it that actually happens they're watching the case live um and also then they're doing write-ups as the big stories that come out of it yeah i will say did you see the stories about the the first day about people trying to get into that because obviously it's being live streamed because yeah, COVID stuff. There was like a the like the public phone chat, and it was like entirely it was entirely populated by like preteens and teenagers screaming free Fortnite and stuff yeah, like that. And like, then the court couldn't use it. That was... Like the idea that like the public channel of this thing was like people could talk into the channel that wasn't the court case. And you're just like, yeah. why would you leave that on? Why is that even a thing you could do where there's like actual legal te- like legal things happening and people just shouting fuck apple just down this phone line it's just yeah bunch of technical stuff just went horrendously wrong for that thing but anyway yeah that's kind of all of that um i think that's everything um there's still no games coming out i don't know maybe i'd go check out that 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 maybe i'll go check out that was it sister punishment whatever the fuck that game was called (laughs) I have no idea what the hell you're yeah. talking about. The 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 one that the one that they sisterly lost. Sorry, the one that they brought up in that in that court case. Oh, that, was like, yeah. Have you seen the shit that's an itch? Yeah, yeah. Go check out what the unspeakable well, the, the, games on the it. Mass Effect remakes come out on Friday. That's true. Um, that's a game. Yes, I will not be playing that because my wife is basically taking the PlayStation for yeah, a month. Fine. Um, but I'll see bits and I'll I'll see that thing. Um, are you getting into that? Or are you? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, I'll be there. Cool. Um, of course, I'm going to play through all the fucking Mass Effect games again. Uh, sorry, I thought that's why you'd started Dragon Age, because you're like, well... No, like, I I, I realised, like, I, it was weird. I kind of, like, I got it in my head being like, right, now's the time to start Dragon Age. And I started Dragon Age and got, like, 25 hours in and then remembered that the Mass Effect remakes were coming out. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, I maybe should have waited. Yeah, but, maybe should have not done whatever. that. I'll do, uh, I'll do both. It's yeah. Fine. I also saw, saw um, people getting their Legendary Edition boxes Helmets. in... Those helmets yeah. are so cool. The they're like helmets, yeah. they're giant. Like they fit on I people's heads. I kind of regret not getting it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, did you see the? Um, if we have to, because it's this podcast, we have to get a little bit of Destiny in there. Did you see they're selling those mm. plushies for the the yep. fallen babies? They're which, trying really hard to. They're trying to trying really hard to forget how bad the transmog system is by like. Hey, plushies. The the community saw the baby Alexney in the season of the Splicer still image and went, oh, look, cute, fallen babies. And Budgie went, fuck, that's something they like. Fucking go for it. And <laughs> How quickly can they, we whip a whip of plushies together? They very, um, yeah, they very, very quickly latched onto the memes and then went, hey, look, plushie. And then, yeah, so baby Alexney plushie if you really want it. Yeah, jangle some keys over here. Stop. Yep. Don't Stop look at our it. terrible transmog system, please. Fuck. Um, it was great because another another this week at Bungie came out last week. Zero mention of the transmog system, like course. at all. Yeah, and yep. it was like the hey next week it's the new season get hype. It was that one, and there was zero mention of the transmog. So when it, so is it next week it starts? Is that what it is? Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Okay. So the day that you hear this podcast, right? Uh, yeah, you should let me know just off air if like that oh, thing, I will. if that thing launches as 
described or whether they make some changes on the day i'm sure as, like if, they, if they didn't mention it in the this week at bungie this week then it's going to launch as described like they're not would you not change it and the... do you not think there's a chance they would launch it launch it with a with patch notes they're like hey we tweet uh, some stuff I, I think if they were going to change it they probably would have said something by now to try and save face but um or maybe they're just like fuck what do we do maybe they actually don't know maybe they don't know what the solution to this problem the is thought, just... I, I think i think the thought is that they release it as is for a season and then fix it later just to see how people like hate see how it shakes out yeah but yeah again because the, like, the way it shakes out is that people are going to get mad so i don't know what the like have they changed anything in that thing where you can just not engage with the system like does, can you just play the game as you've always played the game are you just not oh, yeah, you don't have to do any of the track okay. stuff if you don't but, want but what i mean is they haven't rolled back anything that's like a thing you used to be able to do you now can't do Oh, no, no, no. It's a whole new system. Like, right. you can just not interact with it. Okay, well, they'll probably go. make you interact with it as part of the season for a bit. Sure. You don't have to. Sure. Well, I mean, that'll be a very. They'll have direct numbers on that then to be yeah. like, hey, nobody, nobody. I'm excited for this new season. The look of it looks cool. It's all very Tron. Totally. It's, yeah, it's, I, like, I like that trailer. Cool. I did like that trailer. Um, so, yeah, that's next. That's the day you hear this. Um, I'll be doing Resident Evil. I'll be doing Mass Effect. Um, you'll be you'll be watching Mass Effect. I'll be watching Mass Effect. Um, I yeah. started playing. I picked up because they they put a new update for Hard Space Shipbreaker, so I picked that up because it was on sale. Mm. Um, that game's cool. We'll probably talk about that next time as well. Um, still definitely early access, but it's a very cool concept that they pull off pretty well. Yeah, sure. Um, we'll talk about that. Um, site stuff that fucking space-based Startopia video christ um it is up it's live it's not live but it's ready to go it'll be up probably by the time you hear this i just haven't been able to hit the button yet for reasons um we're gonna try and do a returnal thing if we can get the tech to work and yeah there'll there will undoubtedly be some other small thing that appears we'll try yeah um there's a oh uh, yeah there's a kickstarter finishing by the time you hear this that i want to show you that okay. looks awesome we'll we'll, we'll talk about sure. that later. but yeah um gamingindustry.com is the name of the website you can find all our videos, our videos articles and podcasts that are up there we are on um youtube if you search uh youtube.com slash gamingindustry you can subscribe there you can notified when put new videos up we are on facebook and twitter search gamingindustry you'll find us there podcast at gamingindustry.com uh, com is the email address i forgot how that email address ended for a second there I've, my yeah. fucking brain this week christ um podcast at gamingstart.com is the name of the email address where you can get in touch if you want to and that's us stay safe enjoy whatever you're playing and we will see you in two weeks goodbye goodbye